Welcome to this special ProPass webinar series. We have started a collaboration with ProPass Consortium and are publishing their webinars in podcast format so more people can benefit from their useful content. In short, ProPass is an international research collaboration platform of cohorts using Taiwan accelerometry to explore the effects of physical activity, posture, and sleep patterns on a wide range of health outcomes. Without further ado, let's jump to ProPass webinar. Type, type your answer to that. I think that's easier. So moving on now to our third speaker. So please invite Associate Professor Joe McVeigh, who will speak to us about the RAIN study. Rain, the RAIN study is going to be joining us this year. Joe's an Associate Professor in the School of Occupational Therapy, Speech Therapy, and Social Work at Curtin University in Australia. Can you see my screen now, Joe? Yes, we can. It, it is, we can see your presenter view. Oh, okay. Sorry, give me two seconds. <clears throat> you can see that. You can see that again? Yes. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Well, thank you, everybody. I have the great pleasure of talking to you about the RAID study today, which is a multi-generational life course study situated here in Western Australia. So, I'm struggling to change the slides. I'm hoping you can see it because I can't actually see the screen. Can we see the second slide, Joe? No, we're still on the first slide. Yeah. Sorry about that. Hopefully you can see that now. Yes, now we can. Yeah, great. Okay, so a bit of the background about the RAIN study. It was started in 1989 and originally recruited around about 2,900 pregnant women who were recruited to participate in a randomized controlled trial which was sent out to assess the efficacy and the safety of serial ultrasound measurements during pregnancy. And so the participants were followed up over multiple years and all the worldwide safety data around ultrasounds now during pregnancy and international growth standards actually comes from the RAIN data, the RAIN study, which many people don't know about. But the study was then extended to be a longitudinal cohort study. And since then, we've made um, numerous measurements of the participants over the last 33 years. So this is just a snapshot of some of the measurements that we've been able to make in the RAIN uh, cohort study. And just to observe teach you the naming of the generation two are what we know as the index, which is, so they were the original RAIN babies, and they are the most richly characterized participants within the RAIN study. So as you can see from this table, we've got, we've been able to make really detailed measurements of the critical development epochs, including infancy, childhood, adolescence, and adulthood. And obviously of interest to this audience are the measurements that we've been able to make around sleep and activity. What's really exciting is that for the first time, we're now actually um, making measurements from multiple generations. So as I said to you previously, generation two are the index participant of the original RAIN study. We're now, we're now inviting their parents, who we call in generation one, to participate in our study, and also their children, who we're calling generation three, to come in. So we've got this really fantastic resource being connected of physical activity measurements and webbers and the other cool measures that I showed you in this previous slide across three generations. For this kind of web, we're using the sense device where the participants are wearing that on the outside and participants are also going a willing um, sleep map. So we're able to make um, sleep measurements while they're at part of their own environment as well. Whereas before, we've been getting participants to come in to do um, peer 
PSG recordings. So, I didn't have much time to present any results um, in this presentation. So, who the main they are and uh, what kind of uh, data we'll be getting is contributed to the profile consortium. I'm happy to chat a little bit about the findings after this, um, but just to highlight what we have been collecting um, in the three generation. So, we have used a number of different sensors within the RAID study. We have information using the actigraph devices from the participants who wore them on their wrist and on the tip. And we have this in about a thousand participants from generation one who are around about between the ages of 50 and 65 years old. We've also got this in generation two, around about 900 participants. And as I said, generation two are now 33 years old. Um, but we have made this measurement at two different time points since part of it when the participants were 22. And we have the measurement also in the children who range from zero to 17 years. Obviously, this number keeps expanding as generation two continue to have children. But as I said, the follow-up that we're doing this year, which we can started in May, we're anticipate connecting data from five and a half thousand participants over the next three years. And we have moved towards a final device. And so as I said, we're using the sensor, coupled with the women's seat map. And at the moment, we're not doing this in generation three, but we have put in a couple of grants and have to be able to measure them across the three generations in the study. So there's some key things that we're interested in in terms of activity and selection behavior. We're particularly interested in the interactions between movement and non-movement behaviors to connect to the impact health. We're very interested in working with people who are interested in looking at data-driven translational metrics and prospective associations of the health, health outcomes across the generations. One of the key things was the RAIN study being a longitudinal study. It's we're interested in how we can compare data that's been collected on accelerometers based on, for example, the risk of the hip with our new data connection, which is going on at the hip. So trying to understand how we can translate metrics which are intensity-based to um, metrics which are posture-based. We're very interested in addressing the importance of, say, proximal outcomes, particularly those that are relevant to the public and for public health and health. And our approach is integrated one, which checks all the longitudinal knowledge that we've been able to collect of these multiple movement behaviors. We've been able to develop some really interesting trajectories of this collectivity and sedentary behavior over, the, over time, considering how much time we've been able to measure these characteristics in this cohort. And we're looking cycling to look at that now in relation to some of the well through data. So that's all that example. We are very happy to take any questions and talk about some of our results from the study. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Jokes. As we wait for some questions to come through in the chat, I wondered whether you have analyzed any intergenerational trends in physical activity, sedentary behavior, or sleep. And if not, if you have any any plans to do so. Yeah, definitely. We haven't looked at any inter intergenerational trends as yet, but we have looked at the two generations separately. So we're able to, they're absolutely on the comments. That's something we're very interested in, especially the fact that we've got the third generation coming, coming on board with that. But just from the, I suppose, cross-sectional associations that we've been able to look at, um, our generation one participants who are, and I said, around about 50 to 65 years of age, are an incredibly healthy goal and very different to the goal that Lisa just presented, actually. So I think it'd be very interesting to compare participants from Australia versus South Africa, for example, whereas they were uh, very healthy and get over 60% of them meeting the selectivity recommendations. Very low incidence of cardiovascular disease, whereas 
you know, in other parts of the world, this might not be the case. So in terms of their physical activity, that was very interesting. And we saw that in their children as well in Generation 2. But we haven't been able to look at any intergenerational associations per se yet, speaking on the cards. Can I push you to, to share any hypotheses you might have for when you do look at that? Yeah, one of the things is making sure, I suppose, in a longitudinal couple study, that the participants remain representative of the general population. So some of the work that we'll be looking at is should the participants who keep coming back 33 years, you know, after 33 years, are still the cohort to our typical of the Western Australian population. So we looked at that in Generation 2, and we have, because we've managed to maintain communicate, I suppose, over 75% of the cohort. But I suspect that maybe in generation one, the older cohort is trying to follow on. There might be some bias for people that keep coming back for follow-ups. But that's something we're gonna we're gonna have to look into a little bit more. Great, thanks, Joe. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Research Through Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes. So be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.